Welcome back. I'm Pierre Daly, and this is Inside is Capital. Investors who wait too long to get off the sidelines may find they've missed out. Bonds could see a big boost as central banks pivot toward rate cuts in 2024, yet almost $6 trillion is still sitting in money market funds, a vestige of the T-bill and chill strategy made popular in 2022 when central banks were aggressively hiking interest rates. But we've turned the corner now, and it's time for investors to consider getting back into action. Today, we're going to be talking about how you can approach the practice issues of repositioning cash for the long term, what's ahead for investors in this new era of higher for longer, and the major wealth succession challenges that could precipitate a key business risk advisors are facing as assets transition from boomers to their heirs. My special guest this episode is Mario Chanfarani. Mario is head of distribution for Vanguard Canada. Most recently, Mario was head of national accounts and institutional sales and was previously head of ETF capital markets. Before joining Vanguard in June 2015, he was a portfolio manager at First Asset Investment Management, responsible for domestic and global equity ETFs and sector-based North American covered call ETFs. Mario has held several senior sales and trading positions with a number of Canadian capital markets teams. His experience includes trading equity derivatives and market derivative-related risk management solutions to a broad range of clients. Mario earned a BA in Applied Mathematics from York University and is a CFA charter holder. This is the Insight is Capital podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of AdvisorAnalyst.com or of our guests. This broadcast is meant to be for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed in this broadcast is intended to be considered as advice. Mario, welcome. It's an honor and a privilege to get this chance to chat with you. No, the honor's mine. I appreciate you uh, you taking the time. I'm looking forward to uh, to a really good conversation and a dialogue and, um, you know, uh, really appreciate the time again. Likewise, Mario, I've been I've been uh, looking forward to this conversation. So, one of the big burning questions right now is how to take money off the sidelines and put it to work. How do you see the shift from defensive to opportunistic investing posture uh, impacting the advice that you give to advisors for 2024, especially considering the comeback of 60/40 portfolios and bonds? I, I would say the bulk of our conversations over the, you know, certainly over the the last year and into this year, um, has been that defensive posture. You you, you touched a little bit of uh, a little bit of that in terms of where money is going um, in, into cash and T bills, and so the market itself has been very defensive, and I think investors have been very defensive. We've seen the flows into uh, into cash equivalent ETFs, and that was a large part of last year's flow. Uh, a, a large part of where fixed income flows went. And so the market itself, whether it was individual investors and to a certain extent, um, advisors had taken a, you know, you, again, you mentioned defensive posture. They'd taken a defensive posture with either existing money that was already at work or with new money that was coming in. And just, you know, that, that um, you know, the, the storm that we'd seen through, uh, through 2023 with rates, uh, rising as aggressively as they had, and so and the impending recession that uh, unfortunately or fortunately hasn't come uh, led to a lot of that money being put um, on the sidelines and waiting uh, waiting to be deployed. 
Um, you know, I, I love the say, I love the say, saying, uh, never let a great, a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think, you know, through that, uh, it's, it's interesting because as I look at returns in the equity markets, TSX like 60, just under 12%, the S&P, um, did exceptionally well, uh, I think just under 25% for the year. Um, you know, it, it is that defensive posture where an advisor plays a big role is through that, um, you know, that behavioral coaching, staying invested, uh, not just staying invested, but also staying with the plan. Oftentimes the plans are constructed well before we hit, you know, choppy waters or, um, you know, uh, events that that are outside of our control, but it's really uh, the advisor's um, ability to sit down with a client and an investor and say, look, this is the plan that we came up with. The plan is working um, and helping those um, investors really navigate times like 2023. Yeah currently 2024. And so for us, we sit down with advisors and really reinforce the fact that they have an, an incredible opportunity now to be opportunistic because there is a lot of money on the sidelines and just making sure that uh, not only are investors invested, but they're invested in their plan. And so if they they have a qualified advisor who sat down with them and looked at their life goals um, from a financial perspective, um, just making sure that that plan is still working. It's still working in this uh, under these conditions. And we shouldn't necessarily just react to what is currently happening in the market. And, right. and so a lot of what we do is, you know, helping advisors and supporting advisors in that message but also through conversations like this, um, you know, uh, articulating that value of advice. Uh, and that's something that we've done quite a bit in terms of the perception and value of advice. Um, it's really just helping investors understand that there is, you know, a, a really important part that an advisor plays, not just from the, the, the portfolio management perspective, but that holistic advice. So that's, uh, we, we've spent a lot of time through, through the last couple of years and, um, doing a lot of that and, and, and that messaging, um, across dealerships in Canada. First of all, sticking with the plan uh, is probably the best thing to have done and, you know, withstood, withstanding, obviously, the the pullback in the duration side of the bond market um and then it was pretty obvious that that you know given last year's uncertainty and I, I think the misstep of last year would have been to have been out of the market and and miss out on on you know although you know the market was driven by seven seven stocks uh to miss out on the S&P 500 at the very least would have been a significant misstep and then and then going into you know the the end of 23 with the uh well the very end of 23 with the pivot from the fed but the anticipation of that pivot that was a very tricky time as well if you consider you know what happened exactly. to the term premium what happened with with you know long duration bonds at the very worst you yeah. know the, the dusk you know the the dark before uh, of course <laughs> yeah know, the quiet yeah. before right like that 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 period in october november was was very you know was was very dark. And then at the same time, it's very frustrating. So you can see where, where investors and advisors could easily be tricked out of the market, tricked yeah. out of, out of staying the course. And, and, and so, you know, you being there to provide the guidance, uh, as well, uh, you know, guidance to advisors and, and then be, have that trickle back to investors yeah. is critical. Um, and of course, portfolio construction, uh, you know, that addresses the known unknowns, the uncertainties, yep. 
question. Uh, in, in advance of the events occurring, I think that that's that's a that's a very important factor in portfolio construction, being able to stay the course and being able to explain to a client, to an investor, this is why this this is why you have these diversifiers. This is why you have some of these items in your portfolio that you don't necessarily Absolutely. that you don't necessarily like at certain times because Absolutely. you want you know you wonder you're scratching your head why do we own these things, and then you know now is why we own these things right? Absolutely, Pierre. I mean, you're you're touching on a lot of themes there in terms of what we're doing and helping advisors tell that story to their to their investors. Um, you know, providing. Uh, clients with that education, but also supporting the advisors with that with that message. You talked on, you talked a lot of, uh, but a lot of uh, things through through that. You know, November December were really tough, and nobody really, you know, we we need bonds, and sometimes we don't like bonds, and when they underperform, it's just another reason why. Hey, maybe I shouldn't have this part of my portfolio. But again, when we when we uh, meet with advisors and and in and, and providing them with historical context and context, not just um, within a, you know, from a Canadian perspective, although that that is a big part of what we're doing, we're also bringing you know the rest of the world and the global context into those conversations. Um, it's really, really uh, critical because you could make that you know knee jerk reaction when you know you take that those one, two, or three months out of you know the sample size, and suddenly we're in a period like. 2024, where you know the the probability of higher returns on bonds are there. Um, you know the calls for the 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 death of 6040 uh, might have been a little bit premature, and and the 40 part, the bond port, the the bond portion, the fixed income portion. You know, looking to return. Um, you know, you looking to be a meaningful contributor to the overall portfolio. Now, sixty forty might not necessarily be what every client needs, but you know, within a balanced asset allocation across not just uh, fixed income and equities, but also spread across geographies, um, having that diversification where you're not tied to any one market. Um, that's really, really critical for us uh, when we are sitting down with advisors and helping clients just understand that the benefits of diversification and the benefits of having the plan, right? We talked about right. sticking with the plan, but also having the plan heading into these moments where, again, you look back in hindsight, it was, it's easy to look back and say, well, the S&P is up 20, 24%. You know, I should have been all equities, but you know, now we're in a period or been not been in cash where a lot of that, you know, a lot of that money moved where... Um, you know, it was, there, there were periods through, um, 2023 that were risk off and the money didn't go necessarily into bonds. It didn't go short or long or, or long duration. It went right into cash, which for some investors that may, that may be appropriate, but for the vast majority, you know, sticking to that asset allocation plan was, would have been, you know, would have, would have returned, um, you know, would have, would have provided high returns. So yeah. for us, it, it is that education. It is providing those services to advisors to be able to stress test portfolios through periods like, you know, the end of 2023 and certainly where we are today. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, I recall a conversation I keep, it keeps coming up in, 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 uh, you know, various conversations that I've had with, with other with some of our other guests, and but it, it, one of the most striking conversations that I recall from from the uh, late summer, early fall, was Ken Griffin on Bloomberg, and he was asked, you know, what was the most surprising thing uh, that he saw in in the market right now, and his response was the most surprising thing, which was that you know he just turned around, he he turned around and he said, he said, you know what, um, sixty forty is really interesting right now. 
you know, 60, 40 is, is attractive right now. And, and, uh, you know, and all he did was actually flip the script because at the moment that he was asked was, you know, this, this frustrating moment of, you know, what do I do with my portfolio? I don't, yeah. you know, I hate this 60, 40, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right. And, yeah. and, and yet all he did was he turned the chart upside down, uh, you know, yeah, so exactly. to speak and, and say, well, look at the, you know, like stocks are, are cheaper, bonds are cheaper. Um, you know, you couldn't find, if you were entering the market for the first time, you know, this would be a really good time to yeah. take on a 60, 40 portfolio. And I, I, I thought that was extremely, um, you know, uh, prescient and, and wise. And, and so given, given the challenges, given the volatility of 2022, um, what strategies are you recommending to advisors to bolster investor confidence in the current higher interest rate environment? Yeah, it, it, a great question. I think there's there's a lot of things happening uh, within the space. A lot of exciting, um, you know, a lot of exciting initiatives certainly from us. Um, what we're trying to do is again, it goes back to that education and helping advisors tell that story, right? Um, you know, as I look across um, our office, there are crew members, as we call them, uh, who have never seen interest rates rise. And so, you know, I jokingly walked through the office and said, "Hey, everyone, interest rates also go up, uh, go up as uh, you know they don't always go down, right?" And so, a lot of that, um, it's it's providing that context to um, to investors, to advisors. Um, we are in a new era. We we're in a we're in an era that many investors haven't participated. Many financial professionals have never seen rates rise as quickly as they have. And so for us, it's really, again, we go back to that historical perspective, looking across history, it doesn't repeat, but it sure rhymes. Right. Um, and taking those periods and saying, hey, this looks like another period and here's what happened. And, you know, again, we're thinking in terms of probabilities, it, it's not going to be exactly the same, but it, it's certainly, there's a lot of cyclical cyclicality to um, to the markets and to different periods of of uh, either interest rates going up or down across the markets, and we can look at look at those as benchmarks for what we think may happen here with you know a, a decent degree of probability. So for us, it's it's using those historical precedents um, through um, what we call portfolio consulting. You know, we help advisors and we take their portfolios. Um, we run it through an internal model. And again, we, you know, we're, we're looking to help them do their job better. And so from a portfolio management perspective, um, we'll engage with an advisor who will give us one of their models and say, hey, look, is, you know, am I, is the model doing what I think it's supposed to be doing? One, and what will the model do under certain conditions? And so we we like you know we like to uh, you know take those those are the really we like those engagements you know those are the engagements where we feel that we're really partnering with advisors and dealerships across Canada to really help them do their job better and um, that's an engagement that's uh, that's fun for us because we we get to sit down and act you know like a consultant with with them um, and that. Um, you know, that engagement, certainly we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of take up for that. Um, we've, we've done a lot of engagements with, with advisors. Um, and so that's one area where I think we add a lot of value and it's, it's, it's really nice for us to move up the value curve and not just be talking about product or be talking about positioning, but we're really looking at the plan. And so we're helping them stress test the plan and then they can go back and we provide them with materials that help them talk to their clients to say, yes, you know, this, this, this is exactly what we thought we were doing when we set, when we set out, um, to put the plan together. Um, 
So it's 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 an exciting initiative for us, and we do that again. We have perspectives from from our Canadian business, but what's also interesting is we can take perspectives across the globe, and so we consume portfolios from advisors from within the U.S., Europe, Australia, and so what's interesting for us is when we take and aggregate those data, you know, those data points and those portfolios. Again, we can see trends and see where you know Canadians are not that dissimilar from other parts of of the world, and so. Running that and having that information and having that kind of data where we can look and and look look and see trends that are happening in other parts of the world and apply them here to to what we're doing um, is also really really exciting for us. So that global perspective with local market knowledge um, really adds a lot of value to what advisors are doing for their clients and ultimately the beneficiaries of. All that is is the end client. And so if the end client is getting a portfolio that works for them and helps them meet their financial goals with an advisor that they trust who's helping them and walking them through um, walking them through that plan, you know, it, it ends up being a, a win-win scenario for, for us, for the client, and for the advisor. That's extremely high value. I mean, when you consider that that, you know, any advisor who's who's placing assets with you can can come to you and and muster all of the resources of Vanguard yeah. to, to uh, you know, get guidance for their clients, and then be able to pass that information back to their clients. I can see it's it's easy to see where that would bolster investor confidence. You know, given given the you know the very highly informed feedback that you're able to give, and the stress testing, and and uh, you know, making those tools. Like putting yourself at the disposal of clients, uh, of, of advisors and their clients, uh, to be able to do that, I think, you know, I, it's something I would also add that because we had the zero interest rate environment, um, you know, fundamentals sort of went out the window for quite a time. I mean, it's not that they didn't matter; it's just that that they didn't add any value at the time. But now that now the the thing that's changing, and as we get into this discussion about this new investing era, the thing that's changed is the reintroduction of interest rates, yeah. right? The reintroduction of interest rates forces you to have to go back to they, ma they matter, right? Yeah, they matter they, now. It, yeah, and 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 so do fundamentals. As a result, it's it's right. the, that's the trigger, right? When there was no interest, when I mean, when there was no interest rates, when interest rates were, you know, when money was free and and companies and and investors could large investors could could get capital for nothing um you know including in the corporate bond market i mean issuance was was record levels for for a decade i mean there was nothing to worry about but now that interest rates are back yeah there's a cost of capital absolutely you know, yes there's a valuation model based on discounted cash flows uh, all those things have come back and now you know i think there's an entire cohort of advisors who have no idea what any of that really the significance of any of that and that they know what it means from their yeah. schooling from their education but they don't know they haven't had the experience of seeing exactly what happens when a new discounted cash flow model gets introduced back to the market you're bringing back uh for me it was first year cfa and for some it's uh <laughs> it's it's first year 101 uh you know you're getting to apply some of those you know some of those formulas that uh, that you learned way back when. So you're right. absolutely right. Like the fundamentals matter, and you know that's one of the awesome things about being at Vanguard. You know, having, you know, I, I often talk about having the seven trillion dollar asset manager and all the resources that are behind it. Just it, it's sometimes an awesome number. Trillions is, you know, just the number itself is it's it's it sounds it's almost sounds ridiculous. But I mean that's it, it does. It, 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 it's an it's an incredibly large number, but 
what it does is, you know, those resources and that perspective. And so what you're talking about is, hey, you know, we have those resources that we can help bring to bear with advisors to help them. Again, we're helping them tell the story so that they can build a better practice, um, you know, build better returns, better outcomes for their end investors. And ultimately, again, we're looking to help them support their, their their business, but you're right. It's it's a lot of those things that we maybe didn't necessarily need to touch on when we're in a raging bull market and rates are near zero. Um, but now rates do matter, and some version of 60-40, 70-30 do matter. And, and and so maybe that asset allocation mix may need to change in this new interest rate environment, um, this new inflation environment. Um, and so those are all the things that I think we we try to bring to bear in our conversations with advisors um, and through the materials that we're, you know, hopefully um, helping them with uh, through their, th- you know, through their end end clients. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing that, that you know, if I put my advisor hat on, you know, trying to help investors make, like ha- trying to help make, sense of what's been happening the last year, even making sense of the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's a tough nut to crack. I mean, because, you know, the the gap in knowledge between the advisor and the end client can sometimes be quite right. wide, quite yeah. large. And and having them understand a lot of the, you know, intricacies of, of valuation or or uh, or the opposite. Um you know, I, I, my question is is really, um, you know, given that novelty, the novelty of current high interest rate environment that we're in, um, for many investors, how can advisors effectively educate their clients to navigate that landscape? I mean, what, where it, would you it's, begin? It's a cha- it's a challenging one, um, you know, and and a great question. But I think this is where we come back to the value of advice, right? Should and you know, should advisors be um, you should should they be stock pickers? Certainly, there might be places where you know tailoring portfolios to to specific client outcomes and using individual securities uh, that makes sense. Certainly, with within their models, but should they be trading? You, you mentioned Ken Griffin. You know, those are the people you're trading against, right? Yeah. Those are you know uber sophisticated firms that devote billions of re, you know billions of dollars of resources to you know to to trading. And so the the underlying message is, you know, what's an investor's edge and the investor's edge always has been time, right? And so the longer you you extend time and the, the longer you extend time in market, you know, you're you're certainly not playing with Ken Ken Griffin on on his on his turf, no. you know, you're you're <laughs> you, and which you don't necessarily want to do, um, you know, given the sophistication, but advisors have value outside of you know, just picking stocks. It, it is that behavioral side that we sit down with. And and Vanguard's done a lot of work around, um, you know, Advisors Alpha, which we came out with in, in the early 2000s. And, you know, just right. trying to put a number in terms of quantifying what we think the value of advice uh, is from an advisor. And, you know, we came up with a number that's around 3%, obviously not a point in time, um, but it's it's helping them tell that value. It's not just about the portfolio. It's about that holistic wealth management plan and that financial advice that I'm going to extend, not just 
on the financial side, but you know your tax planning, estate planning, you know wills, uh, accounting, all that um, is really part of the advice that um, that advisors can extend to their uh, to their clients to move up the value curve and not just deal with you know the product and the portfolios. So, you know that's one area where we we spend uh, again a lot of time with advisors on on Advisors Alpha. Um, we've recently done a survey. Um, that flipped that a little bit and said, hey, hey, investors, and we did this in the US and went to about 1,500 uh, investors and asked them, what do you think the value of your advisor is? And so the interesting, um, you know, the interesting outcome of that is that the average investor thinks that advice is worth about 5%. And isn't that interesting where you know, interesting. We're, we're, we're coming yeah. out and saying, hey, we think through all these, um, you know, these initiatives and technological advancements and what the advisor can do. You know, we, we think it's about 3%. Individual investors think that the value of advice is even higher. And again, they, they talk a lot about behavioral coaching, creating plans, and that's what they value their advisors um, to help them with. And so it, it's it's helping them tell that story to individual investors. And so, you know, that's, that's another, you know, interesting part of what we do. It's, 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 we have again, access to, you know, a wealth of data from across the world and it's, it's bringing that to bear to the Canadian market and with, and investors, you know, the third part that we spend a lot of time with in, in the, on the practice management side is, you know, you, I think you touched on it a little bit. Um, you know, what does the new environment do to, to, to that family plan or to the, to the plan? And what we what we're seeing and and sort of bubbling up to the surface is in this high interest rate environment, high inflation environment. You have the next generation saying to mom and dad, "Hey, mm -hmm. mom and dad, maybe can we can we t maybe talk about expediting that that inheritance, <laughs> right?" And so, uh, again, we found in dealing with high net worth and ultra high net worth um, families and investors. That the, that, that the advisor plays a critical role in those conversations to be able to have that, to be at the table and to be able to walk through that plan. And so we've created uh, a practice management program called Family Legacy Planning or Generational Wealth Planning um, that, again, we're helping their, their practical tools that we help advisors uh, use to have that conversation because it can be a little uncomfortable at, to, to have that conversation. And so right. the new, th this, this current macro environment is creating conditions where, you know, it might be bringing up that generational wealth transfer that we've heard a lot about um, from one generation to the next, to, to the second generation, or even to, the, to, to that third generation. So it's really, for us, it's practice management is a big focus for us. You know, we want to partner with advisors. We want to help them through those conversations. But there's there's value to the end investor. There's value to to the advisor's practice because building out multi generational accounts that aren't aren't dependent on one individual lead investor. It's you know right. the family becomes the investor, and so that's a big uh, another big focus for us. But again, and that's the educational part. And and what's what's really interesting. You know, as I look across the landscape, when we came out with Advisors Alpha, I think we were, I think we were the only one uh, that were, you know, that was having that conversation. And what's interesting over time, we've seen a lot of similar pieces come out. And with family legacy planning, as we've started to have that conversation, we're starting to see that, you know, that type of conversation be had a little bit more. And the, and the volume of that conversation within the market is a little bit louder. And we think that's awesome. We think that's great for 
advisors, but obviously for, for investors, because the more that that the market or the, the the profession has that conversation, the better the outcomes for for everyone. So, um, you know, we're we're pretty excited about that particular piece of practice management. Yeah, it's it, it's very interesting. I I, I you know. Investors overvalue, I mean, relative to what your findings were with Advisor Alpha, you know, which was that that of 3%, investors are overvaluing the value of an advisor, you know, at 5%. What do advisors think is the, is the value of, I mean, putting aside ego, do, do advisors... Um, do advisors undervalue their own value? Yeah, and are they are they are they underestimating the value of the components of Advisor Alpha in their own practice? Like, are they taking it seriously? Is my question. Yeah, yeah I, I, that that's you know that's that's the question. Um, yeah. and I think being able to articulate that value. I'm not just a stock picker. I'm here to help you with your financial plan. And that financial plan has multi is, is multifaceted. There's many components to it. The portfolio is just one of those components. And I think extending that conversation out beyond just the portfolio, beyond me just picking stocks for you or 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 creating that model, um, that's again where the real value is. And that's where I think advisors um, can you know not only just you know, not only justify their fees, which, um, you, you know, again, we're, we're paying for professional services, but also retain their fees, right? Because again, they're articulating value. And I think what we found with end investors is they're willing to pay for value. And so the, to the extent that we can help advisors and educate investors that that what what is happening is that they they are moving up that value curve. We talk about the you know moving up the value curve and providing value added services that can save money, that can put you on a better better trajectory for long term financial plans. Whether it's you know sending your kids to university, uh, helping them with their their first house, or or whatever the plan is, or retirement obviously is a big thing and, and a big theme right. here in Canada. So to answer your question. I think so. And I think as we speak to the heads of, of the dealerships across Canada, you, you know, they, they get pretty excited about, you know, some of the, you know, some of the practice management programs we've talked about, Advisors Alpha, um, you, you know, our value of advice, because it's, hey, help us tell, you know, our advisors what the value of the services that we provide. And right, so, right. you know, I think that's, that you know, that's part of, you know, that's part of our job. That's part of what we, what we try to do and, and providing those value added services and the value added content, I think is one step in, in that, in that conversation. But, uh, I, you know, I think so. And I think the, but the industry is getting better. I think it's getting more professional. Um, I think it's getting, um, you know, the services are richer. I think there's a lot more data behind it. And so I think there's, you know, you're starting to see the benefits of, um, you know, ho that holistic plan and that holistic business looking at, um, you know, investors across, you know, across multiple spectrums and not just focusing on one side of the business. It's, it's, it's a cohesive, um, Again, we keep coming back to it. it's a cohesive, <laughs> holistic plan for for uh, for individual investors. Yeah, and it's a nudging process, right? It's just Correct. ongoing nudge, Correct. nudge, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Try this, try that. I'm yeah. curious, like you know, you mentioned the succession planning. Um, 
And you know, there's that key business risk for advisors, right? That they're that they're elder clients uh, who are in you know nearing retirement, in retirement, uh, and and more senior are um, you know in the late third of their life, and right. and and of course, then there's the heirs. So when the trend, when the succession um, occurs, there's a real there's a significant risk that that Correct. the advisor will be will be uh, traded as well. Correct. Um, and so what does that look like when when you uh, are talking about succession planning? What is the vision uh, or like what does it look like? How do you get the whole family into the fold as a unit so that there's that cohesion? Like how do you uh, how do you like what's the what's the advice to advisors to say okay how do you get everybody in the room that's that's right it, look it, th that is that is the question and it's it's a great question um i think the first step is to try to have the conversation because i think we've had uh you know a a generation of advisors who have dealt with the you know the the lead client with which is typically the husband yeah. um but for us it's to talk about you know some of the some of the business benefits to them for them you know to engage with the rest of the family and so you know when we present some you know we present some statistics um you know when you're talking to 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 not just the you know, lead spouse you're talking to the spouse to the family to the kids generally those practices have about 58% more assets than families who just deal with that lead um you know that lead investor um they generate in general in aggregate about 60% more revenue they have about three times more accounts um and what happens is you're right if you're just dealing with that lead investor you know they are going to age, and they are going to start tapping into into their RSP, and then the RIF, and then drawing down in deaccumulation. But if you've engaged with the family, you now have the spouse, uh, you now have the kids, and you may have even the next generation after that, the grandkids. And so what what we're finding is when we present some of that data, and again, I think part of the issue um, historically has been not having the data. And so you know what an awesome time to live where we can have an <laughs> aggregate. Um, you know, sources, you know, across the Canadian landscape and, and look at really big, broad trends and present some of those findings to, and to, to advisors um, to say, look, this is the benefit because that conversation is a little uncomfortable. If you're used to dealing with one per person in the family saying, hey, I think there's a business benefit to being able to engage with the rest of the family. Um, it is a little bit uncomfortable. It, it's we're, we're trying to get them out of their comfort zone, but we have, a, you know, some initiatives and some tools and some games that can help them just understand what the values of the family are, what the values that they hope to impart on their kids. And it's an, it's a, it's an engagement practice with, with the entire family, but I'll say it's, it is, it can be uh, a little bit uncomfortable because it is something for some advisors. There are some that are really front footed and they've, they've been doing this. And for them, when they hear our message, it's like, yep, you know, I've been doing this and you're absolutely right. I've seen the benefit. Um, yeah. And then there's others who may be, you know, a little slower to to pick that up, um, who when we present some of the business benefits, I think they start to see it. But ultimately, it's about the end investor. And what's, you know, how do we improve the outcome? And if you're improving the outcome for the end investor, you know, that that 
translates into, you know, hopefully more revenue for for the advisor. Again, we want to make sure that we're being, um, you know, we're, we're supporting advisors' practices, but it's always about the investor outcome. And we think that this presents a better outcome for investors. And, oh, by the way, there's a benefit to you. Um, you know, when we talk to the head offices, they they love it as well because again, it's building robust practices that are, you know, you're naturally going to get attrition through advisor books, and so if you have multiple generations of clients within a family, you know, that just sort of offsets a little bit of that, you know, that attrition, and you're building relationships when spouses pass or there's divorce. Again, you have relationships with them. You're not necessarily so worried about losing um, an investor because they've had a life event that, you know, necessitates or, or may necessitate a move away from from that from that lead advisor. But again, it's I think right now it's just telling that story and presenting them with the facts behind it and some of the data. And so, you know, it's it's an awesome time to be uh, in the markets because that data is available and, and, and the computing power and the people to draw insights from it are, are, are available. And so we, right. we, lo- we love that. Uh, we love those stories. You know, I, I, uh, while you, you know, on the last question, you know, while I was listening to you, I was thinking, you know, you almost want to like, it, it, it's really it's sort of tantamount to establishing many family offices for each family unit that you, whose wealth you administer to, right? I mean, they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily have the means to establish their own family office, but the reason family offices exist is because families have taken it upon themselves to manage their own wealth professionally. And that, and in those cases, the family and the succession is all planned out for, you know, multi-generational wealth because of the, the size in those cases. But, Absolutely. but every, every, um, every, uh, you know, um, basis of wealth in a family matters, whether Absolutely. it's, you know, whether it's 5 million or 500 million or 5 billion. Right. Um, if you just take that, that if you just turn around and you take that approach to, you know, the same way you have like outsourced CIO, outsourced, yep. you know, OCIO, you know, different outsourcing, you could almost put yourself out as outsourced family office, right? As yeah. an advisor and say, hey, you know what? There's a lot of issues here. There's a lot of there's a lot of things you need to think about. I know it's not comfortable because we're talking about succession and and yeah. you know you may you may not be on the same page with every family member in your household uh, or in your family and not necessarily in your household, but you may not be on the same page with your kids. Yeah. But this is how you can get them back on the same page is by introducing this multi generational plan, and and you know. And and talking about how you know your ten million dollars of net worth or five million dollars of net worth uh, could be turned into thirty or fifty million dollars of net worth over the next 20, 30 years. Absolutely, I think yeah. you know whether whether that's the direction you know who knows. But you're absolutely right when you're thinking about the family as as you know the the, the unit and you're not just dealing with one individual. It is, you know, it, it does sound like a, a many family offices. And if you have a number of those families, you have a multifamily office practice um, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, has a robustness to it. And, you know, you touched your last point in terms of um, having that conversation. And sometimes parents may not be on the same side and, and have different values than their kids. 
But the time to have that conversation is when everyone is at the table and not when there's a life event that unfortunately necessitates that conversation and have someone like having someone like the financial advisor who can mediate that conversation from a financial perspective is really, really powerful because we've seen, again, we've seen through some of the data that we've, um, you know, that, that we have. Um, when, you know, financial, when that, when that process breaks down and when there's failure in terms of that transfer of power, it's generally about two thirds of the time because of communication. And it's mm-hmm. usually communication when, um, you know, emotions are very high. Again, you're talking about potentially life events. So if you do it at moments where, um, you know, that stress of the life event isn't, you know, isn't the backdrop, you, you know, you can get through challenging conversations and the advisor plays a very important role, you know, shepherding that conversation and making sure that everyone understands the point of view from a financial perspective, um, you know, what is the expectation? But then the financial advisor as well can bring in other subject matter experts into that conversation and help mediate, again, mitigate some of the risks. So again, when we're when we're rolling these programs out, it's really the, the the financial advisor sitting at the center of that conversation and saying, "Look, there may be a challenging situation. I we have a subject matter expert that can help with this particular piece, whether it's a, a you know a legal issue or a tax issue or you know whether it's a charitable um, you, you know need, want, um, desire." Um, and so that financial professional can can help with that conversation, and you're having the conversation at the right time at a time when. Um, everyone is, you know, everyone can can bring their best selves to the table and have that conversation. And and look again, it's 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 uh, it, it is cha- it is not without its challenges, but uh, the the benefits to both the the family and the advisor are, um, you know, certainly uh, certainly material, we, and we've seen it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, Mario, it's very hard to put a value on advisors being able to leverage your company's resources. I mean, that's, that's seem, that seems to me like an incredible value alone unto we, itself. We, we, we like to, we know? like to, we, we, we like to think so, you know, yeah. again, when we talk about the, you know, the, the trillions behind us, um, you know, a lot of these are from, you know, our business experience, our personal experience. So, you know, as we like to say, it's not something that we've, we've come up with uh, in a library doing research. This is, uh, yeah. you know, this is practical experience and we're happy to share our practical experience to the benefit of, of the people that we help serve. I recall, I recall Einstein's quote, you know, um, make sure to make things simple, but not too simple. I, right? I, I love that quote. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that uh, quote. you know, investing is, investing is, investing is simple, not easy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I, right? I agree. Um, Mario, wow! I mean, it's been a real pleasure to chat with you today. I uh, I want to you know thank you for your incredibly valuable time and insight. Uh, I hope you'll come back so we can continue Absolutely. this conversation. I appreciate the time, Pierre. Um, anytime you, you anytime you want me back, I'm I'm happy to come. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun. So awesome! Thank you. Likewise. Thank you again. <laughs>